Alright, let's pray. Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The highs of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Everyone can behold you as to see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified as we are edified in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Alright, um, Bible Eminotics, um, we, we started out the last time, but we said that um, um, the Bible is a piece of literature, and that means that uh, it connotes that it must be written to be read. And when we say a piece of literature, we simply mean that um, we must take the Bible as a piece of act. That is, um, we, we want to understand what is written there. That is, we want to interpret and understand what is written. So we must pay careful use to the use of words. And, I, and, and one thing I've been saying is that, uh, actually with this series, is that the Bible is not as English as you think. That is why I told you I'm a bit careful with translations because once you start seeing a translation start over-exaggerating an English, like saying um, um, this and that and that and that and that, and you're just looking at it and you're just wondering, <laughs> The break, the overuse of the break of English. It, um, the scripture was English language is a very recent language. It's almost about eight hundred to a thousand years. So it's it's relatively still new. It's one of the newest languages in the world. So it's uh, now that now some people don't know, but because and that's because a lot of people speak English language and all of those things. But you know what? The Bible wasn't written in that language. So it means that if it is not written in that language, and if it's a new language, they will still find it a bit hard to find the originality of the words. Are you getting what I'm saying? So careful um, consideration of words needs to be, um, to be put in place. And we, we, we've been looking at so many things. And uh, we, we, were, we were somewhere, and we were somewhere, we were looking at, we even looked at thongs, we looked at um, Jacob, I love you, so I eat, and all of those things. And, um, and one of the things you, we, we want to examine as we read, as we look at Bible hermeneutics, is that uh, contextual reading of the scriptures is very key. When I say contextual reading of the scriptures, I mean that. Yeah, when when we say something is contextual, it means you are reading everything awesomely. You are trying to see everything in the same breath of how it was used. So contextual reading of the scriptures are very important. When I mean contextual, that is you are reading everything together. So and with um and uh so so when you are reading a contextual when you are having a contextual reading. You are understanding his statements, and a diligent reader ought to pay attention to the unifiers, that is, the identification marks, what unifies the scripture. And I told us the last time I said, identification unifier is to bridge um, the gap in interpretation or communication. When we say identification unifier now, so the reason why I'm explaining these terminologies for you is that when I now start using when we start studying the scriptures much more and we proceed, I just started using, you know, this is a unifier, that this unifies this. Now, you already understood the concept because of this series, by essence of this series. So by the time I now start talking and we start saying, okay, this is the identification unifier, this way we connect certain things. 
it will be so easier for you to flow in that direction. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, with identification unifiers, it's it's I said it's a bridge, is to bridge the gap in interpretations or communications which is subsist among languages or between periods. And that's like saying, uh, let's say, and, and I explained it to you, I used the word male. You know, if, if we say male now in 1950 or in 19, even in 1990, I guess, if we say male, now, they in that their point will think, they in that their word will think, writing a written mail, right? And sending it through a post office, that's a mail. Are you getting what I'm saying? But now in our world now, it's, it's relative. It's either you are using the Gmail, the Yahoo mail, or you are now writing. But because of our technology world, it will take you a longer time to think of, you know, that's, that's email now that you are li literally sending now. True, just, I just sent you an email. Okay, it's just like a couple of hours ago. No one forwarded me an email. You know, if it was in that their world, now, they will not think of how they will forward the email to you. All they will be thinking of is how they will handwrite it to you. It will be handwritten and they will now deliver it to your doorstep. Are you getting what I'm saying? But now, so now the identification unifier now can now be mail, the word mail. It has breached the gap. So now for us to now understand what mail means. So now if we read a writing now or a material or a book or a storybook or a... Uh, or a book in that their world, or in the 1950s or in the 90s, and they say, I just wrote a mail to somebody. You are expected to know that, ah, there's a context to this. In your minds now, you will go and be thinking it's a Yahoo mail, but the writer was not intending Yahoo mail. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will now have to understand and say, okay, guys, this is, I hand wrote this to somebody. Does that make sense? So those are, how to bridge certain things so it's like saying a bridge the bridge to bridge the gap in interpretation communications which may subsist among languages and between periods so in contextual understanding of this of statements a diligent reader ought to pay attention so if you are reading the scriptures you have to pay attention to the unifiers and all of those things so in instances the original maker of the statements refers to um, the primary subjects and all of those things. So now, um, while embarking on a study on man and, um, and mankind, it can either be descriptive of one person or humanity and all of those things. So we'll study those things uh, properly. One of the things we're also going to look at is the writings of the scriptures too. A lot of us just think that. Now, let me, let me, just, let me just say this. I, I'm not supposed to say this in this series. But let me just tell you, a lot of us just believe that um, um, the writings of the scriptures are, most of the writings of the scriptures were written by, let's say the 5-5 five, five book were written by Moses and all of those things. Uh, it's, yes, it's, it's true to a, to a point, but let me tell you how they did it. It's just like the materials you guys wrote now and all the reality of salvation and all of those things that you wrote, all the materials we are sharing and the ones you are still about to, to do this, this year. Amen. Prepare <laughs> for more. It's not just more. This one is, this one is going to stress you and um, it's going to take a toll on your life. I mean it. So now, if you were now to put a name to it, whose name would you put? 
You put my name right now. But does it mean that I wrote it? Does, does it make sense now? So many a times, we say Moses wrote those things. But yes, truth to a point. But many a times, it's the students, the people he has taught, that will collect the materials together and put it in proper context. It's just like in the Taonomi, the last chapter of the Taonomi now, they say Moses died. Now, you find some scholars again and say, the Moses write about his death before he died. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So, who now put and Moses died and he was buried and all of those things in that point? That's to tell you that somebody like Joshua has put it for him and arranged that book for him to let him see that, okay, everything that deals with Moses has finished in that point. Just like the book of Mark. The book of Mark is a Peter's sermon that Mark and wrote. So he just had, it's like saying, okay, as I'm teaching you like this, even, even like Kennedy again, right? I, I, I found out much, much later, uh, I think towards last year, and towards last year, that many of the materials that Kennedy again wrote were not physically handwritten by him. They were students of Rema who put the messages that he has taught his writings together and formed it as a book. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if you read, if you have read, if you have watched Kennedy's, if you have read Kennedy's audio, you can easily see the same thing that is seen from his audio and in the book. Very straightforward. Even the same thing with my pastor. Many people think that. Many people think that Krishago Nainkaru wrote writes those books. No, it's a lie. He doesn't at all. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He just he just proofreads it. It's a project. All the books that you, have, that you see released are class projects. So it's just like this set. Go and do this one. Set one. Go and do this one. Set two. That's all. So all you, all you just see is Christian God. Like, that's all. But he never has. He hasn't written anyone by saying, okay, this one. You don't see all those big, big ones. You don't see, ah, how is this man doing it? You think he has. Ah, ah. You said you, want, you, you wanted to die by. Die, die, die. That before his time. Are you getting what I'm saying? They are students. Were, so that's the same thing. The same way the Bible is written. So that shows the... And that's, that's the essence of discipleship. Because it's the same thing with Jesus. Remember, Jesus told his disciples and says... And told the disciples and said, Tell no man yet. You know, but others that he healed... You know, he healed many people. And those people that he healed went to broadcast it. But to his disciples, he said, Tell no man yet. So now, guys... Now, did they not eventually tell us? They eventually told us. But they told us with theology. It took them a process of time. So they were able to collate things together and write it. Okay, it's just like the birth of Jesus. Were they there when Mary was giving? Were they there? Was Matthew there when the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and Joseph and say, um, and say, um, as for me, um, not as for me, child, um, you, will give, you shall give it to a child and his name shall be called Jesus. Was Matthew, Luke and all of those things there? So that's to tell you that even in writings, they collate, they collate documents and put a lot of materials that has to do with their world. You will find slants of stories, histories and documents that has to do with their world and put it together to make a proper material. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it's just like I, we explained somebody like Chimama Igoziadishi's writing the last um, sections, and we said that with somebody like Chimama Igoziadishi now, she portrays the Igbo culture a lot in her writings. So if you have, if you don't understand the Igbo culture much, 
you will understand somebody you don't understand the writing like Popo Abiscus where Wogner was doing some, some things and are you getting what I'm saying? You won't even understand half of a yellow song where he was telling us about the Biafra, the 1976 and all of those story in Nigeria. That's if you do not understand predominantly the Nigerian culture. Are you getting me? You have to have been a student of Nigerian culture and history or to have watched the movie to fully grasp the extent of the story. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, and the story is internationally acclaimed, right? They have a layer so they are reading it across the world. But you know that only a true Nigerian or a true student of history will understand a story like half of a yellow song properly. Because it's, it deals with a Nigerian thing. What happened in 1976 in Nigeria? Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, so those type of materials now, if you now have to write, she will now present the material in such a way that the entire world will read it. So now, somebody like Luke now, somebody like Matthew, somebody like Mark, they would have gone to ask questions from somebody like Mary. Hey, what did the Holy Ghost tell you before Jesus was born? And Mary would have told them, they would document it. Are you seeing it? Thieves, okay, how was this happening? They were able to document, someone like Luke and Matthew now were able to document the genealogies properly because they've read the Old Testament and Jesus has obviously taught them and explained to them. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they were able to tell you this began this, this began this. So in the right in the reading of the scriptures, context is very key. Context is very key. So, and the writer of a book. Um, employees, um, so that's why a lot of times the writer of a book will employ the use of imageries. That's why you will read something like in Genesis 1 now and say, let there be light and you'll be thinking it's a physical light when it is not a physical light. Because you are seeing, you are looking at it and reading it with a lot of images and they portray a lot of images because I, like I said from the beginning of this series that Bible is a piece of literature and you have to see it that way are, are you getting what i'm saying so now so the writer of a book of the bible employs even for instance isaiah if you read isaiah you will see a lot of images there even if you see genesis you see a lot of images there and all of those things most of the writers employs the use of images and um so they expect that the readers must have read from genesis you know i told us i said if you have missed it in genesis you would you might struggle throughout the scriptures to find a balance. If you have missed light, if you have missed darkness, if you have missed heaven, if you have missed earth, if you have missed day, if you have missed morning, if you have missed rest, if you have missed Sabbath, if you have missed God said, if you have missed, are you seeing it? If you have missed all of those key things in Genesis, you are definitely going to have problems throughout the scriptures. Because those are the words that encompasses the scriptures. You always see in the day, in the morning, in the evening. Are you getting what I'm saying? And he rested, Sabbath, all of those things. So if you have not under covenant, promise, uh, seed, if you have missed it in Genesis, ah, you will not be thinking seed is a mango seed in the scripture. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? That is it. Or uh, grape seeds. No. Are you seeing what are you seeing it now? So so um so still so we are so we are still looking at what determines a text. So we are a uh 
So C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, um, a scholar once wrote that an author doesn't necessarily understand the making of his own story better than anyone else. C.S. Lewis, he says, an author doesn't necessarily um, doesn't necessarily understand the making of his own story better than anyone else. So now we explain to you. So nevertheless, the author's intention needs to be synchronized with the reader's word without having to compromise either the original intention of the author or the applicability of the reader or the applicability to the reader. So in interpreting a text, there needs to be a merge. We need to merge different worlds together, such as the immediate word of the author and the word of the reader. So when we are, when we are reading the scriptures now, you know, it's just like in the word of Moses. We have, let's say, the Near Eastern word, the Near Eastern word, and we have the 21st, 21st um, century word. Hope you know that these are two different words entirely, the Near Eastern and the 21st century. There are two words already. Now, so now, this we have their culture. The Near Eastern world, we have their culture. And this 21st century, in fact, do you know that another word is gradually emerging in our own world now? In this our 21st century that we are in, another word is emerging. And that's the Gen Z world. How many of you understand? Yeah, people will say, Millennium, the Gen Z. Now, the Gen Zs are using acronyms that even me, I don't understand. So, let me tell you where I, where I knew that uh, I can never be Gen Z. This, I saw something on Twitter. They said, Man of God, Paul. Some, yeah. Ministerial Paul. Ministerial Paul. P, let me spell it for you. So they say, they say, P, U, H, R. They not say, R, 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 R. Paul. Ah. Paul, a pair, whatever. I don't know. What, I, I'm not. I'm not Gen Z. Millennial pair. Ah. So I now kept. So now, guys. So you know what happened. So somebody commented. So it's like saying they they put they put a picture of a man of God and a woman. So somebody now retweeted it. I wrote ah ministerial couple goes ministerial Paul. Ah. So somebody now wrote under the comment and said, "What is Paul? Is there is this another Christian word that we don't know?" So, and I kept reading now. So, people did not even know. Older people did not know. But the Gen Z world was now saying, so you don't know. And they were laughing. So, you don't know. Wow. Ah, and I kept reading down. Like, scrolling, scrolling to find out who will really tell me what this poem means. When I was to find out what this thing means, it simply means, what said it means, oh, poor. Words, different definitions was just trending about it. So, why did you not use all Paul? I just, why is it as a Paul? Now, that is another word, imagine. No, so if they don't want to write, if Gen Z now want to write scripture, write the Bible, they'll say, Jesus turned water to wine, but Paul, oh Paul. <laughs> Are you getting what I say? Because it was too, you know, they say it, it is too much, and you know, there's not street church on the, street church now. The way the way they used to interpret text, they will tell you I, Isaiah something, Jesus the vex. That's all. 
It's not be for you, dear father. Romans 8 verse 32. That is how they are interpreting scripture in our world now. Now, the reason why they are strengthening is miracle, not they tire Jesus. Now, a word is... Now, if they are not to write a street church Bible, you don't see five loaves of bread and two fishes was turned to Paul. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> because that is it. And now everything is now short form. Is it say Pastor Ayo or Pastor Tiamaka? They say PC. <laughs> that is what we are. That's the word we are living, reading. In. in fact, I saw one say Jesus Christ C C J. That's what I saw. No J C C J Christ Jesus. So. So I was reading on the so we were trying to write. I mean that I'm I'm actually very naive. As I grow, I'm learning that I'm naive. If someone did not explain a story for me very well, I won't understand. As I'm growing up, I'm understanding that ah, I'm really really naive. In fact, somebody sent me something on 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 iMessage recently. He said, "Do you understand?" I said, "Ah, I don't understand." He said, "Read it again." I said, "I don't understand." I said, "Explain." When I said, oh, this is very simple. I said, I'm, I think I'm that naive. Now, I don't started reading this thing on Twitter. They now wrote, the person was explaining what Christ has done. The person that kept saying, so CJ, CJ, ah, CJ. So I was now wondering, so somebody now wrote, is CJ the name of somebody that we don't know in this thread? I'm not joking. Somebody now had to ask, who is CJ? Who on that responded, don't you know? Why do why, why, why people respond that way? <laughs> don't you know? So, so I know how to read. They say, CJ means Jesus. I think there's some people that they always just to be explaining the acronyms for people. <laughs> so that you can be on... That's why I don't do Christian Twitter. You can be on Christian Twitter and they say, um, let's say, Pastor, you are a P.I. So you're not wondering, ah, what's P.I.? So when they now want to talk, they say, I was talking to PI yesterday and PI was telling me this. So if you don't know who PI is, you have you are lost in that conversation. Ah, I'm now wondering. Ah. So I will not be reading a trend. And the trend will not be sweet, interesting. Because they know how to say story. So I now say PI, PI. So thank God people used to ask because I would never have asked. So that my comment will not gonna be on that kind of tweet. <laughs> who is PI? Who is PI? Hey, who is PI? Don't you know who PI is? Respond. Just respond to the question. Who is PI? Just say, Pastor, you are the simple. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Now, that's a world imagine. But the Bible was not written in Gen Z world. So ours is now to merge, and there's nothing you can do about it. As we keep growing in, in this life, we don't even know the one your children, children will come and meet. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, our problem will now be, how do we merge the two words together? That's identification unifier. So, we will now pick, it's like saying, we'll pick the, the substance and how to merge it. So, in, in, in interpreting the scriptures, we will need to merge the different word. That is, the word of the immediate author and the word of the reader. So, that means, let me tell you, the reader is then faced with relying 
on the author's intention as a sole determinant of interpreting a text, we are faced with that word of like, like saying we, we, are, we are faced with the word of relying on the author's intentions. Especially the old, especially the old testament scripture, because they are more far from our world. So the writer would so the unifier, what the unifier does is that it enables the reader to stretch the mind of the author or the writer without compromising the intentions. So why are we studying Bible hermeneutics? We are studying Bible hermeneutics because if we really want to understand the old testament very well and even the new. We have to come to a point where, yes, can we stretch the scriptures? Yes, to our word. We can stretch it to our word. But we must not lose the author's intention. Is it making sense? We must not. So now, let's, ask, let's answer some questions. Does the writer solely own the meaning of it, own the meaning of the text? Does the writer solely own the meaning of a text? Just like, let's use Moses now, for instance. Does, is Moses the only owner of the meaning of the text? Now, the writer does not exclusive, exclusivity, exclusively... <laughs> English sometimes is... I should just, I should just cook up using Gen Z language. Exclusivity, we could just say XL. The writer does not XL to the meaning of the scripture. You know, you know that's how they will be teaching very soon. If this word, if we are not careful, this Gen Z word and the way everything is short forming, you know, I remember when we were doing too good those days. If you don't know how to short form, you cannot text. I sop. So sop will be from X U P. X sop. Life. L Y F. So if you didn't know how to do all of those things, then <laughs> I'm doing good. D-U-G. Good. Ah. Now, but we now change. You know, I feel like why we change was people now are saying, I think this, that's it. I don't know why a grown-up person would be texting and, and still be abbreviating. This and that, so everybody had to quickly adjust so that they do, they will not chase their potential sweetness away. But as soon as they get married, they switch back to their Gen Z world. <laughs> now, so does the writer own the meaning of text? The writer does not exclusively does not have exclusivity to the meaning of the text. This is predominantly because the writer or the author loses, or this is predominantly because the writer or author loses relevance once the reader is not factored into what is reading, what it is written. Now we explain it to you. If they were if they wrote a book let's say um your let's say in your school curriculum now you have a textbook in your school or in your class and you cannot see the reason for the textbook and your teacher is as your as your teacher is even in the class your teacher is even wondering ah what did this person write in this textbook your teacher is even struggling and everything now, your teacher has the right to just switch around. You know, your teacher will just come around and just tell you guys, all right, just ignore the textbook. Let me teach you this and that. So you just pick certain things from the textbook. Now, so the question we're asking is, does the writer own the meaning of the text? Now, 
it, if the reader is not factored into what it is written, the writing will, be re, will not have relevance. So that shows, and we already said, the Bible has to be studied. We have to understand what is written. So, and for us to have the Bible to understand God's word, it means that everything written in this Bible are majorly for us to study. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are we the major audience? No. Are we the intended audience? No. Are you getting what I'm saying? But can we learn from what is written? Yes. Is it making sense? So now, so in as much as the writer or the author of a statement is important because it guides the reader into the meaning, so also is the reader of the statement. The author, the readers are very important. Now, the author has written the statement and they are dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, we now that are reading the scriptures and interpreting it to our world, we are also important. Because if we lose the interpretation or lose the meaning of what the reader is saying or what the author wrote, we have lost something. I, will now, I, I always tell people, once your knowledge of God is wrong, this is how my pastor says it. He says, once your knowledge of God is wrong, your worship of God cannot be correct. You are not going to have... Let me see, a good Christianity. Just like the issue of clapping and dancing. Imagine a church is taught that praise and worship is to clap and dance. Now, and that's what they are taught all their lives. Do you know that? And I've explained to us throughout the scripture that when we say clapping and dancing, is like a mockery and all of those things. We just lift our hands and just worship the name of the Lord. We can rejoice in the Holy Ghost and all. But you know, if... if now, we have a series on that. You can lay your hands on it. Clapping and dancing, rejoicing in the spirit, praise and worship and all of those things for, for you to listen to. Now, if people don't understand that aspect now, if they come to a church now and they are not clapping and dancing, what's, what's, what's the next thing on their mind? Ah, this church is too dry. It's too dull. So you mean we will not round the table to give our offering? You know, and that's because they are used to a pattern, but they are not used to the word. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, and a lot of believers has to be used to the knowledge of the scriptures. So, do you know that with that now, their worship of God is already wrong? Because their knowledge is wrong. Because the Bible way to worship is we lift our heads. We worship the name of the Lord. We bow our knees. Are you getting what I'm saying? We lift our hands. We, we, you know, we sing praises to God. Not that we are now, we rejoice. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not as if we are clapping. We can clap in the sense of entertainment. We can clap in the sense of let's welcome this person. We can give a standing ovation. But when we are now clapping to worship, ah. But you know, a lot of people do it. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like if you are not taught this issue of tithing too. It's just like if you are not taught why you should give fight, you will see fight as an obligation. I don't know who I was talking to in church and we we're just talking about the 10% thing. Who was that person I was talking to? Okay, it was you. And we're just saying, ah, even the 10% is too small. Just imagine I'm giving a thousand dollars now and I have to just put hundred dollars in church. That's too small for me. Hundred dollars. I don't know about you, but to me, $100 right now, it is, with the way we are going, Carlo, look at our February plans. <laughs> look at how many thousand, we're calculating February plans that we're looking at $5,000 already. I don't even get what I'm saying. And you're not saying, 
they're not saying okay, if I make hundred dollars, just give hundred dollars. Ah, how is hundred dollars going to what, do something? How do you get to what I'm saying? We are holding a mic today. Is it hundred dollars? <laughs> how do you get to what I'm saying? We are paying church rent. Is it hundred dollars? How do you get to what I'm saying? So my head can't think. My head cannot be thinking of how I will drop. And that's because now I have the right knowledge. But those now who are not properly thought out to give, their mind is just saying, when I shall pay my tithe, I'm good. I'm not offending God. The devourer is not cursing me. No God is not doing anything with my finances. But they are not thought out. Because if they are really thought out to give, they will, be, they will give their all without even thinking of a, with a, without thinking of a percentage. Now, why is... now? How do we apply that word tight to our world? I'm going to teach us, but I'm just explaining to this. We are just to bring the honor, the fact that you can honor God with your substance. Tithing is an honor. It's not a bad thing to do. It's just that. So the lesson we can bring from the tithe is the honor from it. Such that any money that comes into my pocket, the first thing I'm doing is to think about God first in everything. So I am dropping a percentage because I honor God. How you get to what I'm saying? But does that mean that we are now to restrict ourselves to the third piece? And no. How you get to what I'm saying? We are to give. And we're going to study all of that. We already have a teaching on that, the culture of giving already. But we're still going to do more. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, so we, we, we can apply. So, so back to what I'm saying about if the knowledge, if your knowledge of God or the knowledge of the scripture is wrong. Your worship of God can never be correct. You are going to keep living a false Christian life. How many of you know that? Before you came into the, let, let, let's just say, before you came into the light of the world, you felt like, ah, if you, you, you just felt chained. How many of you felt that way? You felt chained. You don't feel like, hey, God. <sighs> but now, does that mean that if we say, don't sin, if we, does that mean that you you are now to now go and keep to keep sinning? Are you getting what I'm saying? It doesn't change that, but you just know that it's not a good thing to do. Does it make sense to you? So once your knowledge of God is wrong, your worship of God can never be correct. So now let's move on to the interesting aspect of let's move on quickly to a more interesting aspect of this before we would call it a day today or a night. So does this mean that um, a test... Now, another question we can ask is does this mean that a test can have multiple meanings? Now, can a text of the scripture have multiple meanings? And this is some. This is a big question we have to study because, because this does not imply that... A, uh, and this does not imply that a text can have multiple meanings. What is required is for the reader to diligently follow the sequence with which the thought of the author is presented. Don't forget, I told you, the Bible is a piece of literature, so you are going to read it as a story. That's context. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? You are not going to put it in... I, I explained to you in Bible Eminenti Series 1 that the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. So that means you have to read the story. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like how we look at that Lucifer thing in Isaiah, and we say that that thing is about the king of Babylon. But if we now want to stretch it to a wider implication, we can also say, okay, 
maybe we can now start saying, okay, this is Satan in this point. But the immediate story and the context is about the present king in that time. And that's the king of Babylon then. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if we now want to stretch it and stretch it and stretch it, we're going to say, okay, but we have to follow the sequence of the thought of the, that the author presented to us. And the intention of a writer can be limited because of the lack of ability to capture every other word alongside his own word. Now, you know, if I'm to write now in our today's world, I'm going to write in probably my, my, okay, now I'm a Nigerian and I'm an American citizen. So now I'm going to write in my exposure, right? I'm going to write in my experience of Odarud, in my experience of Nigeria, in my experience of Lagos, in my experience of Indianapolis, in my experience of New York. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm going to write with all of that. Now, the, now, and that's how they wrote too. Many a times they did not foresee that. They were not able to carry alongside the, their future world or the fact that, okay, some people are going to read this and it's not in their future or it's not in their, um, their world. That is why I, I'm still saying it again. A, a good writer like that, that, was able, that is able to capture everybody intelligently, despite still writing an African story, is somebody like Chindo Achebe and, uh, and th like things fall apart. Chindo Achebe, um, Chimamanda, Zik Adichie. They are writing the, if you, all their books, you even see, in fact, there was one she even titled recently, Ijele. She titled it in the cultural world. But if you read that book, I've not read it, but I'm so sure. I'm so sure because of her antecedents. I'm so sure that if you read that book, you will still find an African story said to a world, said in such a way, portrayed in such a way that a Western world who don't understand the African story will read that book and still understand. That, what, do you know what she's doing? She's carrying two worlds together, the Western world and the cultural world. Because of all of those things, she was recently given a chief title title. Because of all of those achievements, I think it was towards the ending of last year, she was given a chief title title in her in 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 state as the first, the first ever female to receive that kind of title. And they say uh, the title is called something like um, the, the, the creator of books or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't remember the, the, the title very well. But that is how to carry. So you know what she's doing now? She's carrying two words together. Such that, if you read the book now, in a cultural background, in, let's say you read the book in, in, in a shanty place of, let's say, Oda Road. No, Oda Road is not shanty, in Jesus' name. They, they've already dualized the roads and the roads are good there. The glory of God is already prevailing in those places. Amen. So, but let's say, in Agbarad now, like where Chavaka lived, Let's use that word. So let's say the shanty area of Agbara and but oh, that road. <laughs> you you need to go there. The last time you guys went, it's it was not as good as this time. You you we need a second visit. We have to take a second visit. They, in fact, even that Tego we took videos of that church, they've dualized it. So things are ah <laughs> Well, let's get back to the word. Sorry. <laughs> so now, so let's use Agbara now. Agbara is a place where Chamaka lived, and I don't know the place. Is I don't think it's on the map. So you know where somewhere is not even on the map. That is Google cannot capture it. Google will tell you. 
No road. Sorry, no road. This, this location can't be found. Oh, just turn around and go back to where you're coming from. Once Google starts speaking that we just know that, ah, this point, you have reached a journey of no return. So now let's use Agbara for instance. Somebody that can pick up a business in Agbara and read and still pick it up in New York and still understand. And you see what that woman is doing? That is intelligence. She's carrying, she's writing in such a way that two words can understand her writings. I was surprised and shocked when I found contemporary people reading Popo Abiscus in, in the United States here. It's a book I've read long ago, years ago in, um, in Nigeria. Are you getting me? And I, I was, when I kept seeing people telling me, I've read Popo Abiscus, I've read, I was like, really? Did you understand? That's the first question I asked them is, did you understand it? They say, yeah, it's so interesting story, this and that, that, that. So I was like, so I had to explain the cultural setting to them. Because they did not understand the cultural setting. But they understood. They had to explain it. I was like, I was surprised. The one that surprised me the most was the half of the yellow sun. That's a 1976 setting of a Nigerian story. The Biafra War. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the Western world now is reading it and appreciating the book. That's carrying the two words together. So now, I will read Popo Abiscus now, and I will interpret Popo Abiscus intelligently because I know the background at which Chimamada is writing. I am not Igbo, but an Igbo cultural person will understand better than I am. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Because you will see certain places in the Popo Abiscus where she wrote in Igbo. I don't know if you have read that book before, where there is an Igbo thing. But you know, the Western world has read that book, and they are not, and they are not even moved with the Igbo. This is one thing that shocks me most in that writing, in how that book is portrayed. So that's the way of carrying the two words together. So many a times, so, but this is to the Bible too, many a times, the word of the scriptures, and this is why, we, this is why Paul is a key player, and we will study it much later, because there's no way you want to read Paul that you cannot still relate Paul to our world. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Paul wrote in such a way that, in, because why, why is Paul's writing so understandable to our world? Paul wrote to a cosmopolitan um, um, people, such Gentiles, and the world was already changing. The Corinthians, the, the Ephesians, the Romans, all of those people, they're already in, they're already in the pre-Western world. Such that there were trades, there was commerce, there was sellings, there was all of those things happening in that world already. So now, you can't relate that to the world of the Jews. The Jews is still more ancient. So when Paul will write, it will make sense to us. Because, ah, we are in the Western world. We are in that kind of world. We can relate. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. That when someone like Malachi will write. Or Moses. Are you seeing it? So when, Moses, when Paul will write and say, obey the government. You already understand what government means. When, when um, Jesus would say, pay taxes. We in the United States here know what taxes means. When he was to tell us in Romans 13 and say, um, we should obey taxes, pay our taxes and all of those things, we know what it means. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, when he was to tell us in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, first of all, prayers and supplications will be made to those who are in authority. You and I understand who are in authority. We are thinking of the Senate, the governors, right the president 
We are relating to that world. And you see why Paul's writing is quite, quite intelligent? Because he too was able to carry us along in such, in such a thing like that. So that's why many times it seems like we keep referring back to Paul and he explains all of those things because he seemed to carry us along with our world today. I've, I've sat down with quite some critiques of scriptures. And when I start talking about Paul, they'll tell you, no, 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 no. And I told them, I said, you are just quite mischievous. Because if you are really sincere, is it not Bible? Is it not among the 66 books? Why can't we talk about it? They say, hey, we just have issues with this Paul. We just have issues. Why would you have issues with someone that makes, you, makes your head clear? On the scriptures. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So it's it's uh those things are very um those things are very key. So now the so the intention of the writers can be limited because of the lack of the ability to capture every other word alongside his own word. So note carefully the word of the reader is just like Shakespeare. You know, Shakespeare materials is is not quite you can't quite understand Shakespeare. Because, but you really read it. In fact, I read some Shakespeare material. I read, uh, uh, I read Hamlet. I've read, eh? I've read Romeo and Juliet. I've read Othello. Ah, did I? I didn't finish Macbeth. I read Tempest. I didn't read that one. But do you know that? My Lord and my God. In fact, when I was writing Waek, Waek is like, Waek in Nigeria, what now? Now, look at how we are teaching now. <clears throat> now, to the Western world, now, the world understand what Waek means. The Western world will understand Waek as sat. Waek is an exam you write in the Western African world where, where you are finishing high school. That's the exam you write before you get into the college, into college or university and all of those things. Just like how in the United States and Canada and all of those things, they write the um, SAT, SAT and all of those things. Now, when I also write my own, as a, as a quote, SAT, Waek, I couldn't write Chispeo because I don't want to fail my literature because I was, a, I was an astronaut. <laughs> God forbid. I wrote other stories. I could not. How do you expect me to? That's the worst. In fact, even, even, people, even teachers would advise you, focus on other stories. Ensure you don't pick Shakespeare. <coughs> There's no way you want to write it. How? <laughs> because you don't know where the question is coming from. And the materials need an interpreter. How many of you know? Even your teacher is struggling. How many of you took literature class? Your teacher is struggling to understand the material. That's one material. Your teachers can understand other storybooks. But I tell you, that Shakespeare material is a, is a material he is reading over and over again to understand. Don't read Google, read summary, read everything, watch. If, do you notice that we don't watch movie for every other book, but we watch movie for Shakespeare? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Because if you don't watch this movie, you can't understand what he's saying. How to watch the movie of Romeo and Juliet to understand the book? How to read, read, read watch the movie of Tempest? If I when I was even watching the movie of Tempest, the team was just looking like they were just in the wind, they were in the water, they were they were in one boat. I don't even remember that movie. They were in one boat in the water. I was just wondering, hey, what is going on here? And they were speaking. You will not be reading the book. I'm saying, the other you read the book and follow along. You don't be reading. I 
till today I don't understand Jack <laughs> in that book. Now that's because Tempest did not write to our world. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will still be seeing all those very, very that I say unto you <laughs> in that world. In those his book, you still be see all those bigots. You know, my beloved. That, that's how they talk in, in those in that book. My beloved, my this bigot, old ancient English. Like King James, it's like say well, if Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't like I did I didn't like Shakespeare's material. Because I just could not relate. Now you can't blame Shakespeare because Shakespeare is not in 2023. Now Gen Z now we find it pro- we we have problem. People that are already doing Paul. Ministerial Paul. And Paul means, what does the Paul mean? Oh, Paul. That's all. I wish I can remember more. There was more. In fact, people now kept writing. So in that thread, people, so when the person had found out what Oppo means, Person say, wow, I must be so old. I must be really, really, really well at the road. They don't tell me, do you know the meaning of this one? They don't say, do you know the of this one? Or that trend. So I kept looking at it. What's this one again? What's this one again? So, and I kept wondering. So now, people now want to talk in this our world now. And they are your same age mates. And you will not understand. They will be talking to one another. You will just be there. You will just be looking at You will not understand. Because of the kind of um, languages they are trying to create. Now, that is relatively becoming a culture. Such that, if you now want to... Now, if you now want to explain certain things, you have to explain it to their world for them to understand. I don't even get what I'm saying. That is it. So, I... So that's that is exactly how the Bible is. Now look at looking at Shakespeare material now. That's a prelude to how the Bible was written. All those beloved, begats. You see all of those things in Shakespeare, they will not leave a lie. You're not wondering what <laughs> I don't know what they not leave an education marker, they will not continue and that's it. You're wondering what is this? You don't just wondering what is this? The descriptions of the things they used, they will tell you they went on a journey with something. You can't relate with that thing they went on a journey with. <laughs> now, if I tell you the car my father used when I was younger, many of you don't know it. Lore Dasu. Dasu Lore. Many of you don't know that car. You don't, you can remember, you can, only me know, me favor, know how that car looked like. And it was a car common in that world. But now we are in the Toyota world. Where everybody wants to buy Lex, Le, Lexus and all of those things. Now we are gradually moving into Lexus. Uh, Tesla. And electric cars gradually. Go out of the street. Everybody is driving Toyota. No. America. Africa is Toyota. America. Ford. G, GMC. Chevy. Chevy is Chevrolet, right? Um, and Toyota. And Sonata. And Jeeps. Kia is Skites. I think Scars, I guess. I don't know. What's Cruise? 
Shevi now. Nissan, yes. Nissan is quite common too. Now, look look at it now. As we keep growing, as the world keep adjusting now, we will start adjusting to Elon Musk's world. Tesla. Somebody that is already thinking of how he wants to enter mass. You know, we, we are still even struggling to how we feed, buy food tomorrow. He's already like, he's done. He's going to mass. Now, the earth will now evolve around some people living now in mass soon. How do you want to communicate? And don't forget, children is still going to be born. Now, when children are reading our materials now, we are saying, in the Lore, you can't relate again. But I entered that car. That car drove me to primary school, secondary school, before my father abandoned it. In fact, when I was secondary, I used to tell my father, don't carry me. I would trek. Just don't disgrace me. Oh Lord, don't disgrace me. Don't even take me to school. But I said, no, okay, let me drop you at the junction. So in the dropping me at the junction, they say, corner, just stay here. Don't let anybody know. Don't spoil my big boy. Because I iron my coat, everything is ghetto. I said, Senior Benson, is that your car? No, it's not my car. <laughs> it's not my car. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, that is it. That is the world we are living in. Now, look at something that was prevalent in the African culture. In the African culture, there was seniority of flogging juniors. You can discipline a junior. Now, I know the Western world will not relate. You can't discipline anybody. Only parents do anything. They, carify, they, they call their own bullying. But we see as... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically this bullying. Like saying, yeah, if somebody who is older than you is oppressing you. They call it oppression or bullying. Why are you bullying me? You say, go on, go on. You say, you say go on. You say, go on, let me fetch water. Or go on, let me... Give me your provision. If I drag you, give me your provision. And now, me, I did it. I did it. You offend me, your provision. Or go and wash my uniform. My school sons always wash my uniform. I wash just wash my uniform for me. Go and fetch water for me. I want to bath. Go and do all of those things. So basically, everything. And, and I will flog. Now, in Nigeria today now, something happened in the last two years. Such that you, it is not a crime to flog a junior. Because of something that happened and it escalated on social media. So now, if you now do it today, they will now say it is called bullying or harassment, student harassment or maltreatment. So if somebody was to write a story and say, I beat a junior years ago, you will now read it today and say, wow, such an oppression. That is it. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? You say, wow, such an oppression. But in our own world, if you did not flog a junior, in fact, your fellow classmates will wonder, what you are too nice, you want people to like you, Abby. In fact, they will bully you to flog in a junior. Say, Sir, they will say you are the you are the you are the most sweetest senior. You better take in and flog it. <laughs> that was how we were school. So that and in my class, we we're just 13 in my class. All of us 13. So all of us were fighting for nobody should be the most liked. All, all of us must all be the most. So, if they see that, so, because you are dining with now, everybody is liking you, you are giving them food. 
Don't give them. Give us the meat. Give us. Give us. Don't be the nicest. So everybody was fighting for. You must not be the only one that all the juniors like. Everybody, I was not the social prefect. I had to hand over my social prefect to someone because it was a problem. Yes, because you are not social prefect, you are any prefect. Full peak wow. We know that the school gave you two. Peak wow. Peak 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 wow. You just came to meet us in this body school. Peak wow. Peak wow. Peak wow. So I said, ah, give me the dining. So that at least I can be enjoying my life very well. In this school. But you know, if I say dining prefect, the Western world don't understand. Do they have prefectship in their school? They only have queen and king. Prom king and queen. Um, and um, prom queen. And that's even for one night. I mean, now if I say dining prefect, they say, what do you mean? What does that mean? Dining prefect? Is he just cleaning the dining? I didn't get what I'm saying. The Western world don't really understand that. It takes someone who is more exposed to understand that, that culture. He's the senior boy, he's the senior gay, he's the timekeeper, he's the assembly prefect. <laughs> what does assembly prefect mean? Like someone like Ifena, he was the senior boy at chapel prefect. He was, he was everything. He was the body of Christ. I <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So now, maybe no one now would have been quiet prefect or library prefect. Just, just, or prep, just be ringing bell and be making sure that people keep quiet when they are reading. <laughs> In your day, would have been the report, reporter to the school, to the schoolmaster, to the headmaster, or the snitch, the snitch prefect. <laughs> Ah, yeah, you will have been labor prefect. Just distributing the work. Yeah, yeah, that's called the grass. That's called the grass. Interesting. So, those things. But now, as I just explained this social professor, now somebody will listen to this and say, What's this man saying? So, listen to this audio now and say, What are they saying? Social prefect, Danny prefect. It is not your world. That is how I said all of this to to make you understand that that is how the Bible is. Are you seeing it now? So now we will now bring that word and explain it. How does this relate to our world? We will now explain it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just like the issue of tattoo, there's no way scriptures that expresses they don't wear tattoo. We are going to pick from the word that explains something like that to explain it to our world. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just like excuses that say, don't uh, uh, homosexuality. That one is even in the scripture. Um, let's say smoking. There's nothing like smoking in the Bible. So how do we now explain smoking in our world? Or vaping? Or cocaine? Or betting? Nobody thought of doing or doing Niger Bluetooth or um, Shawbet. See, in fact, I, I watched a video one time. They say if I give you twenty thousand dollars now, what will you do? So say, I'll first place some Shawbet. I say, ah, Shawbet. He <laughs> say, to I'll just get some odds, place some Shawbet and shake it away. If the money can no. multiply. <laughs> 
that's the world we live in. Are you getting what I'm saying? Another person that we take the 20,000 say, ah, business has come. Different world. So now, so, so, so are you seeing how to explain the scriptures now? It's very easy. It's not written. You are not the intended audience. So now, the word of the reader, so note something very carefully that the word of the reader, that there is no language that has become God's language. So there is no language called God's language in the scripture. All the, all the, all the, all the day, night, heaven, earth, they are not God's word though. God's language. That is, God spoke it as a, that's my language. No. They are the language of the authors. So if you don't, I've always told you, if you don't know how to receive from men, the, the Christianity cannot bless you. It's a story of men, their words, their language, their vocabularies. That's what we are using. Are you getting what I'm saying? So there is nothing called God's language, that this is the language that God speaks to somebody. If a man of God or a Christian now is in Chinese and he wants to hear God lead him on certain things, how would he hear God? In Chinese. If the person is even, if the person is even born again, but only understand Arabic, because I'm similar to him. That's how the Lord will speak to you. Say something for me in Arabic, please. Say, 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 I will be with you. Ah! <laughs> come and say it, say, come and say it with the mic. Let, let, let the word hear it. <laughs> come and say it with the mic. <laughs> say, I will be with you. I will be with you always, today and forever. Come and say it with the mic. Say the word we hear. In Arabic. I will be with you today, always and forever. Hey, that is how God would have talked. So if God was to speak to them, thank you. If God was to speak to them in, um, if God was to speak to them in um, Arabic, in Matthew 8, 28, verse 20, I say, and lo, I'm with you today, always and forever. You know, say, just, talk, just, just rewind back. <laughs> I can't say what is it. Assuming when I... <laughs> Mana, assuming when I mana, that is how God will have spoken. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's that way. So, if God was to speak to somebody um, in Ausa in um, Chinese or in, in Korean, God to say, Mpa, Kasameda, Nde, God would have said all of those things. I just see. God would have said things like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Those of you that watch Korean movies so much. Uh, that is how God would have speak. Apa! Upa! Oh no, that's how God would have spoken today. Are you seeing it? So there is no language called, this is God's language. A lot of people just think because it is English. And once you can know how the vocabulary is, from the, from the intertwine of the Suziko 
of ah, you know, thinking that that's God. No, no. Are you seeing it now? So there is no language called God's language. So this implies that every writer of the scriptures adopted human languages, which readers in the world of the reader may not be privy to. That is, they adopted languages that even we, we did not use. Just like the, right, the Bible was written in Hebrew, Moses spoke Hebrew, Jesus spoke Aramaic and Greek. Aramaic was like their pidgin language then, or their native language, but their, their general language is um, Greek and all of those things. Now, and the Bible is not written in English. The Bible was written in their language, but translated there. So it means that they employed and used the languages they used to communicate things. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like if a preacher is preaching that in Japanese or in Chinese or in Korean or in Arabic, if we preach in the same word to their audience, they will not be an interpreter. I would to God someday that we will have a camp meeting and there will be several translations going on across the hall. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because I will obviously be speaking in English. I will not be able to speak in Spanish. I will not be able to speak in uh, Creole. I will not be able to speak in Japanese or French. I can try in French. I will just say Mademoiselle Inyade or Mademoiselle Joy. I think I try. That's Mrs. or Madame um, Jumapel. Uh, Jumapel Indidi. <laughs> you know? Or I don't know. Sava BMSI. Et vous? He has experience again. No, it's too much. Only you. Just one. No. You have English, you have Spanish, you have French, you have. No, it's enough. Say, say God, God will be with you. Um, say, Allah with you always, even to the end of the world. Come and say it in French. Come. You don't know that one. I, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the world. You better say it to you. You know the word you hear this. <laughs> ha! Wow! Just rewind. <laughs> Hallelujah! Wow! So it means that when God wants to talk to people now in the French world in France, which player plays for France? Just Bap. 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 I don't know. Then the person I wanted to compete with Messi. Just imagine. How dare you? I like the guy, but how the, where, where I started hating him from was the World Cup. How dare you want to compete with Messi? Who is his father? 23 years old boy wants to compete with a 35 years old player. They showed him who he really is. Messi showed him in that match that who bore you. Thank God. Rubbish. I still like the guy, I like him. But since that World Cup match that they came to tell me. <laughs> That's the day I knew. Back when, no, God forbid. <laughs> so, ah. Uh, so, hmm. 
So there is a need to study the language of the writers of the scripture. To understand. So now, when we say the Greek word, it was used in the Greek word. Now, you see why we say it that. Why we say the Greek word of this is this. The Hebrew word. Are you seeing it now? Because we are trying to study the originality of that word. So, there is a need to study the language of the writers of scriptures to understand their intent because language is core to the understanding of the scriptures. Language is core to the understanding of the scriptures. So, a, read, a reader has two clear options. To either, has, to either know the meaning of the text as intended by the author or writer, or to assume he knows, thereby arriving at erroneous conclusions. And that's where a lot of people do. do. They just assume they know and they arrive at er er erroneous conclusions. So it's two ways. It's either to, to know the meaning of the text. And that is what we do in this church carefully, by the grace of God. And thank God for the lives of my pastor. And I like to mention his name, this day, He makes us, he's the one that, without trying to overpraise a man somebody wrote on facebook yesterday a pastor friend like uh, wrote on facebook yesterday and said over 20 something years that we've we've seen this man teach and over the years we've seen this man teach he has never slowed down on his emphasis or right interpretation of scripture he has never even when he's to teach certain things that Scriptures will not matter. He will still not play down on it. There are times we will be with him in office and he will still be telling us certain things and say, no, that's not how it was. And he will still be explaining to us again. So, there's, there's just that emphasis on that right interpretation of scriptures. Like I said again, if your interpretation of scriptures is wrong, your knowledge or your worship, I mean, if your knowledge of God, and that stems from the interpretation of how you explain the scripture, is wrong, your worship of God can never be correct. It's not possible. You can't have it. You can't even live the Christian life sweetly. You can't. So a lot of readers make two options. Option one is they either they either assume they either know the meaning of the text intended by the author or writer, or they assume that. They know it by arriving at erroneous conclusions. That's why a lot of people will read certain texts and you just be wondering where did they bring it from. Just like I explained in the course of this series, how I engage a preacher that preached um, in Colossians to the, the evil handwriting of the enemy. That, that's, that's arriving at strange conclusions. Evil handwriting of the enemy, they're using Colossians to... You, you, how do you... How, if you have even used Moses, it would have been better. You went to use Paul. For evil and writing of the enemy. You think Paul will be helping you to deal with powers of your father's house? Everything that is a Paul's mind is that he wants to win the world for Christ. You, you are thinking... So, if I thought there is an evil and writing of the enemy, because of Paul's mind, you should know that this is as touching the gospel. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Clear, clear, simple thing. Clear, simple thing. I want to talk about Olamide, but not in this area. Not, maybe not today. I want to explain... Maybe, maybe as I progress, the Lord will just because it's part of hermeneutics. We we have to be able to break it. That is not. I'm the one that is holding the mic. It's your choice. Whatever you if you want to, all of you that you did match a lot. Die. Just 
because of business in that. Because I feel with that. So a Bible student must therefore learn to read the Bible backwards. Meaning that, so where, what does it mean? So, where, so there's a key thing in the scriptures. We must read backwards. Backwards in the sense that we must go back. Every one of us must go back. So we are reading the scripture backward, meaning that a Bible student ought to possess the ability to note, hear this carefully, the ability to note the history of scriptural text. That is, you have to possess a good understanding of the history of scriptural text. And when I mean history of Israel text, I mean the word of the writer. You have to understand that word. If you do not understand that the word of Moses is Agarian in nature, you will miss his writings. The word of Moses now, they are Agarian in nature. They are always, they were always in the wilderness. They were, the, everything is about cattle, land, farming. So if Moses was going to talk about something, he's going to use what they can see. He will use garden, trees land, um, fruit, tree. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because their world is agrarian in nature. The Eastern Near culture was much agrarian in nature. So that's why they will say they are going to their promised land. They are going, and the promised land means the spirit. If we are to use the promised land in line with the new covenant, the promised land is the spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? They will use things like that. So if you don't understand that world, ah, so it's just like Paul's word. Now explain it to us that Paul was writing to a more cosmopolitan world, such that the Gentiles, everything, there was now a bit of westernization, a bit in that their world. Such that, in fact, when I took a Greek class, I understood that there were amphitheaters in Paul's world, such that people can gather together and watch a play. In Paul's world. That's why you see all those Zeus, um, all those Greek mythologies and all of those things. They have a display where they all sit down together to display that in Paul's world. So, world was already coming. So, all these amphitheaters you see today, it has been since Paul's world. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you have been to Greece, who has been? you have been to Greece, right? You saw all those artifacts and all those amphitheaters and all of those things. They are ancient things. They've been since Paul's world. So if you don't understand that, so now that means Paul's world is a, I won't say it's close, it's, it's foul, but there's an element of it being closer to our world. Are you getting what well, Today now we have cinemas. They had just a place where all of them would just gather in one day and just watch a display. And it's a drama. I mean drama. Not um, kidneys. So people that think drama just started with uh, with some Christian movies today. No. <laughs> drama. And when I took that class, I was wowed. They told us things that were going on in that their world. So now, if you don't understand Paul's world, you won't understand why he's writing the way he's writing. So when you are to when you now start seeing things like um, so when you start seeing certain statements in Paul's writings, you will be able to see that okay, this is this word you can relate to it. Are you are you getting what I'm saying? You can. So every writer of scripture, every reader, sorry, has to read backwards. So you have to read the meaning. You have to possess a good ability of history of scriptural text. 
alongside the future so alongside you must also understand that there is a future implication of scriptural text that is in the world of the reader how does this implies in our world so this provides an awesome systematic theology of meanings you must you must be able to now so the meanings would would uh would now have to see the theology of meanings and all of those things and when I say, what does systematic theology means? Let me explain what systematic theology means for you. Systematic theology is a discipline of Christian theology that formulates an orderly and rational and coherent account of doctrines of the Christian faith. I'll come again. Systematic theology is a discipline of Christian theology that formulates an orderly, rational, and coherent account of the doctrines of Christian faith. Systematic theology is a discipline of Christian theology that formulates an orderly, rational, and coherent account of the doctrine of Christian faith. So it's important to note for us, gradually, that reading backwards to understand the intent of the writer of the text is effectively achieved by faith. Because, like I said, the Bible is a book of literature. And it's a book of persuasion. Its interpretation without faith will lead to wholesome errors. So furthermore, by adopting certain words, borrowed, when I say adopting certain words, it means that some words are borrowed from conventional mode of communication and the author wields the authority on those words. So a text will contain the intention of the author. We must see a lot of us like to stretch things a lot. A lot of us just like to stretch things a whole lot. And I've been caught in that web before too. Where me too, I was stretching, but as soon as I as soon as I saw as soon as like I said, I hold my pastor, Reverend Chris and I call that um that um oh uh, that um, I hold um, that um, that understanding. Now let's look at Isaiah seven. This 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 story. Um, story why 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 do I pick Isaiah seven? I want to tell you the implication of stretching. A lot of us have stretched that Isaiah seven to mean ah, this is the incarnation. This is talking about the incarnation until our eyes was really opened. Recently, by the power of God and the power of our pastor. <laughs> pastor. Now, let's start from verse 7. Isaiah 7 verse 7. Let, I'll, I'll just save us time. Let's start from verse 7. It says, First year the Lord God, it shall come to pass, it shall not stand. I, I wish you can understand what he's saying, but let's, you will understand soon. It shall come to pass, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the end of Syria is Damascus. And the end of Damascus is raising, and within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it shall not, that it shall be not a people. And the end of Ephraim is Samaria, and the end of Samaria is really a son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Look at what it says in verse 10. Moreover, the Lord speak again to us, I say, Ask thee a sign from the Lord thy God, as it is either. In answer, it is either in the depth or in the height above. Verse 12. But Isaiah said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. In verse 13, it now said, Yea, 
ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to be weary, for you weary men, but ye will weary my God also. Look at what it now says in verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Look at what we now, look at in verse 15. Butter and honey shall he eat. He shall not, he may not know to refuse evil and choose good. For before the shy shall know to refuse evil, and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken both of our kings. And the Lord shall bring upon thee and thy people, upon their father's house, and not come. And the days Ephraim and departed from Judah, and even the king of Israel. And it shall come to pass that the Lord said, Now look at it. You will read Isaiah 7 verse 14 now and think, This is Jesus. But we just read down. What sign were they asking for? A sign for their own world. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. I don't know if you get this thing. Look at contextual reading. But if we now want to overstretch it, we can now say, okay, this is Jesus. The scripture is now being fulfilled. But you must first understand what Isaiah is saying first before stretching. Because they were in a fix and they needed somebody to come and sort their solution for them or a problem for them. Just like the seed of the woman and the seed of the woman factor. And this one now, a man is now coming again as that man because God has always used men all over the ages of life. Are you seeing it? Then Emmanuel is this guy who the Lord will give, who the Lord who will come again in this Isaiah world and would rescue them. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you know the funniest thing is, you don't read this story again. Anytime you just see Isaiah 7, your mind will just go to incarnation, Jesus. And that's because of what you have been told. Now, can we stretch this and say, incarnation, why not? But remember, we must first see it first as what? The author's word. I don't know if you understand this now. Good. So, a text will contain the intention of the author and more. Because due to the involvement of the audience who are determinant and all of those things, but a text will always contain the intention of the author. So, in view of this, every text has a plot. So, those of you that did not take literature in school, sorry, you are learning now. You see, you did not, you cannot escape it. <laughs> I don't know why some people will not go to science class. I don't know. I, I don't know why some people will not go to art class. I don't know. I wonder what you are doing in um, in biology class, physics, chemistry. I wonder what you are doing there. When you should have been studying government, history, politics, you know, literature, stories. That's what you should have. That's the language of Jesus. But you just decided to follow the devil. I thought my friend was reminding me today. I was talking to one of my friends. My friend was reminding me. That, I don't know why the person went to listen to this to my sermons, but she eventually listened. And now she, I'm sure she's going to listen to this again. Then she was reminding me and telling me and said, she heard the one message where I said, because she's a doctor. She now said, she, remind, she heard the one message that said, people like us, our career will not matter. And you, you said your career, you said our career will not matter again after it. I said, yes, it's true. My own career will still matter. I will still have to explain the scripture on the last day. You, who will you be healing? Who will you be treating? The mother body... Mortal bodies would have immortal bodies would have won the immortal bodies. So all the hospital patients, all of you are doing is for a while. It's only to you 
when, so when we're not teaching you in the in heaven, you will not have option. You just be taking notes because we studied internal realities. You studied earthly realities. <laughs> That's my own eminotic. It's left for you to interpret it the way you want to. So it's left for you to decode. So because the author reads his own intentions. That's my intention. So in my own intention, so I'm telling you my intention before you guys stretch it. You are studying, those of you that are not, that are not study, that study all this nursing, doctor, medical pharmacology, of this ecology, pharmacy, I don't know what's the meaning of medical pharmacology, what's the meaning of that rubbish? <laughs> Engineering, everything. Biz, no, business, we still calculate offering now. I still go to calculate offering. We still be ordering, we still be ordering Bibles. Hey, take your notes. Do you buy a Bible? Let's buy a Bible. We still do those. But, You'll be, because you'll be full of the word and you have to still be <laughs> but those of you that don't study those things you are going to suffer the Bible says you will suffer loss so, it's your choice it's not too late to change it's not too late to change but we we studied internal realities you studied earthly realities. Which one will last more? Yours will perish. Mine would advance. Amen. Thank you. I like that. Amen. And that's because he too studied internal realities. So now, those of you that have issues with science now, we just be struggling. What is plot? What is the technical? If only your mind has been inclined. So not have been difficult for you. Some of you will be sleeping. Say, I don't like my poem. Not this. I don't like this. Just like that. That's because everything in your head is just mass. It's just um, how you want to go and treat somebody. How you want to take your one patient. X minus Y is equal to Y is equal to this. Find Z. Rubbish. I don't know how find Z will relate to how you want to treat a patient. How? Then after you dissect, look at blood. Something that's eternal. That you just say, Power God, take. That's all. Build. You, you grab a cut in the stomach. We say this. Let's take out the lungs. Let's take out the rat. Let's all those things. You, the mortal body will still swallow them up. <laughs> That's my own immunotic. Amen. Amen. So, in view of this, so just to her, my friend, that she will hear this again. I've, I've said it again, so she will hear it. That you, as a doctor, your, your, your profession is, a, is earthly reality. So in view of this, I know she's going to come and fight me, but I don't care. So in view of this, every text has a plot, a point of view. Those of you that took literature now, this, it will be making sense. It's just like I'm refreshing your brain. So that did literature class. Every text has a plot. Now, for those of you now that know that's how literature now, we have to still explain what plot means. <laughs> to you people, I have to explain what setting means. God. <laughs> I have to explain what point of view means. Oh, because now, Gen Z have changed it to POV. <laughs> so, that is the way you have read point of view. So, now, if you want to look at point of view of scripture now, you'll be reading a POV. 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 <laughs> so now 
So every text, we have a plot, a point of view, a setting, vocabulary, grammar, rhetoric, and these are key in interpreting the text. The way I have a setting, a, a plot, a point of view. It's not plot of land, though. Some of you now will be thinking plot of land. <laughs> I saw the engineer today now. What is a giant is a maybe a plot of land they want to go and take a landmass and survey the place. <laughs> no. <laughs> a plot, point of view, setting. It's not settings on iPhone, no, I say they are settings. That's not what is that's you know. Now we have to start explaining all of these things. That's not what we are saying. Settings on your phone. Setting. I'm sure people like Fibonacci, their head is going, wow, iPhone setting. So we need iPhone setting to buy. No. That's, that's it. Vocabulary, grammar, rhetorics, and these are key in interpreting the king, interpreting the text of scripture. So if you want me to explain plot, point of view, setting, vocabulary, grammar, Rhetorics, uh, I think I deserve extra. I think I deserve to be paid to explain it because these are things I learned and crammed in school. So I can't just give that knowledge free. This is not Bible now. This is I'm giving you knowledge. So once you sow your seed, and if I please don't explain it to them, they're good. So let's so we'll study when you pay your seed. We'll learn. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But we'll look at it later. I think I expect part of it in series one. Lay your hands on it. <laughs> so, there is no accurate interpretation without intertextual corroborations. So, there is no accurate interpretation without intertextual corroborations. I'm looking for a place where I will just stop tonight and uh, we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up um, as the time goes because i'm I, I i wanted to rush this before but i've still not even explained unifiers properly i've just given you an hint of unifiers and i want to explain uh, okay we'll look at it so so like i said you you every accurate interpretation um there's no accurate interpretation without intertextual corroborations and this means that when the book of isaiah is read for instance a background of Moses should be noted because there's always an intertextual corroboration. When I say intertextual now, it means different texts. Like you read, you see Genesis in Exodus, you see Exodus, in, you get what I'm saying. So now, so when Moses is read, a background of Abraham should be noted. If you want to understand Moses very well, you have to understand Abraham because Moses was in Exodus too. Moses was born in Exodus too. Abraham was before him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so that should be noted and the background of genesis 1 genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 should be noted also because that explains intertextual corroboration so intertextuality has uh, has been an inferred so let me let me just talk about this here so this thing is making you more scholarly are you getting what i'm saying bible notice is making you more scholarly more um so that when you're having conversations right with people, you can easily see them down and say, no, that is not how it is. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, intertextuality has been an influential field in literary study ever since the Bulgarian philosopher, um, Julia, Julia, Chris, 
Christopher, Julia, Christopher. He coined the term in 1960. 1960 and is defined as a study that's J U L I A K R I S T E V A. And it's and the term is coined in the late um 1960s that is intertextuality now and it can be defined as a study of how a given text is connected with other texts and how text affects the interpretation of the given text i'll come again it can be defined as a study of how a given text is connected with other texts and how those texts affects the interpretations of the given text i'll come again one last time it can be defined as the study of how a given text is connected with other texts and how those texts affect the interpretations of the given text so the other texts are likewise connected with more other texts and they affect their eventual interpretation so Texts are relational in nature. So you can always see some similarities of text. They are very relational in nature and all of those things. And they are not isolated from one another. The texts of the scriptures are not isolated from one another. They are intertextual. So we can always see a slant of Genesis in Exodus. We always see a slant of... We always see those slants across especially the, the 39 books of the Old Testament. So a reader must therefore learn to read across. So you are not just picking a book and say, this is my favorite book. Ah, I just like the book of Psalms. Psalms is Psalms. When I look at Psalms, I just see the I just see the praises of God. You know, no, that is not it. Or oh, I just like Proverbs. It's just giving me wisdom, and you are still not wise. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so look at look at even something about the the book of Proverbs. You will see something about you will see something about. Um, instructions in proverb you see my son hear this you will see wisdom you see the word wisdom you will see um i'm trying to look at those words you will see in proverbs mm. you will see you will see a lot of words that were used and if you are not careful you will just read it to be thinking it is a whatsapp meme or a tweet or just a um blessed blessed is the ungodly for you shall not sit on the seat of the scoundrel uh, uh, blessed is he that seated in the king of uh, you shall not sit on the seat of the what's that proverb word is wanting eh? that is that psalm is it psalm or proverb no proverb guard your heart with all diligence and all of those things that's proverb four now if you are not careful and if you don't understand the settings of those writings, you would think it is a WhatsApp meme where you just say, oh, let me just go there and just pick a text and just say, just like how people used to pick, not downcasted, not this, not, not, not forsaking, not, not forsaking, not chosen, not something like that. They're not, they're, and they're using it for their personal problem. None that Paul was talking about persecution. I say, no, and, people, and you know English language now, the language I look for a version where it's very sweeter, not going through tough times but coming through not going through tough times 
but overshadowing the times. <laughs> you just put it on your WhatsApp mail. There's one that, the reason why I say this a lot is because they had to engage one one day. This text you put, do you know the meaning? He said, ah, he's just speaking to me. Ah. <laughs> he speaks to you. <laughs> do you know what Paul was going through when he wrote this word? He speaks to you. And this person is not even doing ministry. If the person is even doing ministry, you can say, okay, now the scripture is related to you. <laughs> you are not even in the ministry. And he says he speaks to you. And that's why a lot of people, especially now in this world that day where there's a lot of prayers, meetings going on every morning. Everybody is sending you, join this link, come on in, come on in. Join this online prayer. After the prayer meeting, there's a scripture that they are putting on their, on their WhatsApp, on their social media platform and all of those things. And you see the scriptures they are putting and you're wondering, ah. Now, you can't blame them. Like I've always said, once the scriptures are not properly interpreted, the worship of God will be wrong. You see the scriptures they are putting on their WhatsApp or their Instagram or their Twitter, you're wondering from where to where. How is this relating to this morning's problem? I can get to what I'm saying. That is the so 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 intertextual corroborations always help. So that's why it's it's very easy when we teach the text of the scripture will always explain itself. We we'll always find explanations within the scripture because it's intertextual. And um so the reader must Therefore, learn to read across um, the books, and um, sufficient evidence can be sailed through the, especially the thirty-nine books of the Old Testament, and all of those things. Let's look at. Mm, uh, there's something I want us to look at before we leave the role of a reader, but we will not get there. But let's just see an instance of intertextual corroboration. You know, I told you that in Bible, you notice I seem to be teaching everything at once. Let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah, for instance. Let's look at Jeremiah. 49 verse 18. Let's, I want you to understand. Now, we're going to do a study much later in did God do it and look at all of this Sodom and Gomorrah thing more. But let's, let me give you a, let me give you a background. Let me give you a plot. Some of you that don't understand all of those. Let me give you a background, a setting of what we're about to explain. So now, I wonder how people that do not understand literary appreciation understand movies. I wonder, I, I no, I don't know I wonder how they watch movies. They just watch movies for it. That's why this it's just like acrimony, right? Uh, that Tyler Perry movie of acrimony, where it seemed like the that guy and the woman they didn't they didn't eventually marry, and it seemed to be ending on the bad load and all of those things. I watched that movie differently. I remember when I watched that movie, when me and um, me and some guys then, that was many years ago, went to the cinema to watch it and when we came out, some were crying, some were did this. I was, my mind, I was wondering, why the tears? I did not, I was watching it in a critique point of view. In fact, that period, I was even taking a poetry class and, um, and communications class. So I was learning how to critique. So the, what they were doing with us in those communication class and all of those regular, they would give us like a, a 1990-something movies, movies that you will not see the review online, so that you're not going to steal synopsis and just change the world. I don't know how, I felt like the child was so wicked. So he, he, to, he told us, when he sat down, he, he sat on the table like this, see, 
there is nothing you want to go and if you if you intend that when you watch this movie or you will not watch this movie and give me a synopsis of this movie online he said there is nothing online that i have not read so if you dare it that's how he said it he told us that we so if you dare it you are in trouble so i felt like uh, i thought we are in a class where we ought to feel free why are they telling us we are in trouble so he told us, he said, there is no, he said, in fact, I can tell you that there is no synopsis online. He gave us one, he said, this one is not online, so don't even try it. Ha! So my Lord and my God, I have to be rewinding movie, watching it, trying to critique it. So they told us to, they told us that we have to look for the fault inside this movie, critique it. So when I now watch, so ever since that class, anytime I watch a movie, I'm watching from two standpoints. Yes, I want to enjoy it. But I also want to, I also want to look for default, look for where something is. And that's why, I, ever since 2020, I've been watching how to get away with murder every year. I watched it 2021, 2022, 2020, 2021, 2022. I'm still going to watch it this year again. The entire series, because I just like it. And I'm looking for, there's something I'm looking for and I've not gotten it. When I look, when I find it, I'll tell you. And I've not gotten it. That's why I I like, I wish I can watch Grey Anatomy because I really want to see how Shonda Rhimes, what is in Shonda Rhimes' mind when she writes. I really, I, I know Tyler Perry. It's very easy to predict Tyler Perry already because of the kind of works he has done and the, the movies he has done. So it's, it's so easy to know that this guy is portraying a black culture. It's, he wants to, you know. And there are movies that are satires too that... Uh, what is what is a satire? A satire is, is something that ridicules a bad occurrence. That is, it's like saying, I want to talk about the government of America and the, the corruption in America and I'm writing a movie about it. That's a satire. Ridiculing a bad occurrence. Are you getting what I'm saying? But communicating it in an entertainment world. Are you seeing it? So when you watch it, you will not see it as they are dealing with the government. You will see it as an entertainment, but only the writer will tell you, <laughs> I will know what we are doing. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like um, um, this uh, movie. Um, uh, um, a Fall from Grace. Um, a lot of people critique the movie. I went, to, I went online to read critics. I like, I like critique criticisms like that I, I mean not stupid people you know some critics that we don't say trash that's not the art to critique <laughs> i don't like read i don't i don't see intelligence in things like that if you want to critique critique well critique let it be a, a systematic critique give me thesis let me read i like to read that long i'm i'm very patient with that kind of writings let me see why it's trash let me see why it is not not just trash talapari and rubbish this are, what is that so i read certain write-ups on those things and and everything so it's very easy to predict but i can't tell you who shonda rhymes is and how she writes and all because i've only watched one I just don't have the patience to watch gray anatomy but it's something i really really want to watch just because of the writer are you getting what I'm saying? So now, that helps you to... How did we get here?
Yes, but before... How did I get it to Chandaramsan? Settings. Okay. So, I, so I was explaining, I was saying that. I wonder how people... Are, you won't... Bible hermeneutics now, with what I'm teaching you now, you will be able to appreciate literal, literal works, works of art. Because the only... It's just like when you see a picture. It's just like me now. When I see a painting, I am not just wowed with, wow, it's so nice. I'm trying to read the mind of why the person drew this painting. Are you getting what I'm saying? If I go to a museum now and I'm seeing paintings, and I'm not just taking pictures and trying to see, wow, nice painting, look at the color. No, I'm trying to understand why did this person draw a head? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Why is it a head and a heist this person drew? That's what, is, what's, what, that's what I'm trying to think of. So my next question will be, who is the drawer? Who, who drew this? I want to do a research on why this happens. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if you don't, so that alone can make, see, it's just like when I took a New Testament class, I had to understand the writings of Matthew more, especially the first four books, the first, the synoptics writer. I had to understand the writings. I saw that the audience of Matthew was more different. Many of us, we just read the, the synoptic writings and we just think that everything is the same. It's the same thing. No. Is this it looks the same, but it's different audience. A total different audience. In fact, the use of certain languages, the use of certain reasons why details are skipped. The reason, see, when John will tell the same thing that John will say and say, go and preach the gospel and all of those things. John says, John wrote it and says, Whosoever sins you remit shall be remitted unto you. John 21. That is John's explanation. That's John's hermeneutical saying, go into the world and preach the gospel. Guys, I don't know if you get it. The same thing he says, whosoever sins you remit shall be remitted unto you. That is how he explained going to the world that preached the gospel. He says, and a breath unto them, and fusal. The Great Commission is explaining it in that way. Look, we explain it and say, repentance and remission of sins we preach among all nations. Are you seeing? Are you getting what I'm saying? So there's a different ways the writers wrote that you have to now appreciate their writings. So, literally, I'm not trying to sell literature to you. I'm not now saying, I'm going to start taking literature class. No, that's not what I'm saying. No, don't. All what I was saying before was a joke. So, don't go and, yeah, take me around now. You see, if somebody listens after to that point now, do not listen to the full message now. Basically, they'll say, let me go and brush up my literature class <laughs> knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? No. You just have to understand. So with and this is in context to the Bible. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So now one would just look at maybe that's maybe that's what we'll stop today and let's look at the we know we are looking at intertextual corroborations, intertextuality and everything. Let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah, for instance, in the intertextual corroboration. Look at Jeremiah uh, when what, what what scripture did I call for you? Jeremiah 49, right? Okay, Jeremiah 49, verse 18. Jeremiah 49, verse 18. It says, Are you there? You should be there. It says, As in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities, therefore saith the Lord, No man shall abide, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. Now, notice the reference. It says, Notice the reference he made to Sodom and Gomorrah here. The moment a writer is exposed to such kind of reference, what comes to your mind? 
intertextual corroborations. Because this is Jeremiah here, using Sodom and Gomorrah. But where was the first place you will see Sodom and Gomorrah? Genesis. Right? So now, when you are reading Jeremiah now, the very first thing that should come to your mind is, in reading Sodom and Gomorrah here, should be an intertextual corroboration. You have to go back to Genesis. Right now, so you intersectional cooperation would need to be employed because the back the backtrack of the historical account and the citizens of the historical record is from Genesis. So you will now go to Genesis eighteen sixteen. Now look at now I'm teaching you now look I'm teaching you two things at once. We are looking at Sodom and Gomorrah now, but I'm teaching you intertextual how to go back. Are you getting one another? Remember, I said the right the readers of the scripture will learn to do what? Read backwards. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if you read Sodom and Gomorrah now in Matthew, you know this, the word Sodom and Gomorrah was also used in Matthew. What are they expecting you to do? Go back to Genesis. Are you seeing it now? So you go to Genesis 18, verse 16. Look at Genesis 18, verse 16. Oh, sorry, I went to Leviticus. Look at Genesis 18, verse 16. Are you there? It says, Now Sarah denied, oh no, 16. It says, And the men rose up, and from thence they looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. So now, as so now, as well as other images were employed. So now we have seen that that um instance of Sodom and Gomorrah here again. Now look at in Deuteronomy 29, verse 23. Deuteronomy 29, verse 23. Now, the context of... There's a context to something. In this Genesis um, 18, Abraham was... That context of they looked towards Sodom, that was, that was an angel. He wanted to go and meet an angel there. Because... Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming to explain that to you. Look at Deuteronomy 29, verse 23. It says, And the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning that is sown. Look at it too. It says, Is burning and is not sown and beareth nor grass thereof, therefore, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adam, Zephyr, and the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. Now look at Isaiah 1, verse 9 to 10. Now, I'm giving you like a plot or a setting of this. Isaiah 1. Let's, let's use an instance of something. Let me show you something. I'm not sure when you click Netflix, they will give you like a short description of the movie. I don't know if you how many of you read those things. How many of you understand the movie from that short description? You just only have an idea, right? That will just give you that idea. That's like a short summary. We can call that even what can we call that? We can call that a plot or no I'm I'm looking for eh? Eh? no I'm looking I'm use, I'm trying to use literary appreciation. Eh? A blurb. 
a blow. Hmm. Plot a synopsis. That can be like a synopsis. Yes. That can be a synopsis. Yes. That's that's the word I was looking for. That's a synopsis. So, and that synopsis now, they'll just tell you, Ade is this. You don't know who Ade is. This is Ade and this got married and they entangled themselves and they tried to kill the sister that is not this. You're not wondering, who is Ade? Who is the sister? Who is this? I don't even know what I'm saying. Now, it's the same thing when you open the Bible, when you have a nice... All of us, now, everybody just say the Bible is about God. It's about knowledge of God. This and that. That's a synopsis. Who is God? How can you find him? How do you understand? We don't have to study. Does it make sense? And a lot of people like on the streets, arguing, they only know synopsis. Synopsis, that's all they know and they are running with it and arguing with you. Especially, I tell somebody, just to, just to digress a bit, I, I will never forget the panel that they, they brought me on in February, that last year February, about 25 Muslims were there, Konkwonzo, and that, that guy just brought me in and I was there for like hours. <laughs> now, one thing I left that place with is, you, you are not born again, number one. You are not a Christian, you don't have faith in your heart. So you can't believe, you can't even believe, and we are going to get to that point. Sometimes, to really fully, 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 because you you don't even have, you are not even sincere. You believe something else, and you are stuck with the thing you believe. Then you are not attacking the Bible. I say I believe, and saying it is wrong. And me that I want to tell you that it is right. You say no. What's that? You believe your Quran. You, I, I, he got to his stay. I said, explain that thing for me in your Quran. They explained it. When it's come to my own point, they know what to hear. What's that? So mischievous, guys. Look at in Isaiah 1, verse 9 to 10. He says, Except the Lord of hosts has left unto us a small remnant, and should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like Gomorrah. Uh, is it Gomorrah? Gomorrah. Yet the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, give ye the law of God, ye people of Gomorrah. Look at Amos 4.11. Don't forget, we are still looking at intertextual corroborations. Are you getting me? Yeah. Are you, but is this making sense, right? Now, you see how to approach Bible, guys. Uh, Bible, I may notice is key. Uh, I feel like we should be doing it every year. Right? You agree? Maybe we'll do two series this year. Maybe. It's the year is still young. This is January, so we still have time for more. Amos 4.11, it says, I have overthrown. Do you notice that? He has been used, they have been using the word overthrow, overthrow. I don't know if you have noticed that. It says, I have overthrown. You must, so you see certain things you must pay attention to. So that means if you first saw overthrow in a text, and you did not, and it did not make sense. You have to go to another place. Are you seeing it now? If it did not make sense, I'll go to another one. Guys, are you seeing it? So he says, I have overthrown some of you as God, overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, as ye were, 
I don't know if you have noticed it, they use fire too in the description. As you are a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet you have not returned to me, see the Lord. Look at Zephaniah 2 9. Zephaniah. Not Zachariah, Zephaniah. I think that's a good name. I like the name. That name sounds sweet. Zephaniah. We should have somebody like that in our church being Zephaniah. Or if there's nobody that name, we'll give somebody a name. Sister Zephaniah or Brother Zeph. <laughs> or Sister Zeph. Zephaniah. Nice name, I think. Alright, look at Zephaniah 2.9. It says, Therefore as I live, I think it's only Star Roker will not give a name. We have to give her one. Maybe she's the one that will be a Sister Zeph. Alright. Therefore, as I as the <laughs> 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 as I live, it's a very tonight. Therefore, as I live, see the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, and the breeding of the Nestus and the South Beasts, and the perpetual desolation and the residue of my people shall spoil, shall spoil them, and the remnant of the people shall remain to them. Now, sometimes the context of the psalm or the context within the time of Sodom was written, was written is angels. And that's in Genesis 18, where we saw angels in play, where he says, Abraham said he looked towards Sodom and he saw the men. Those men that he was referring to. So why was why the immediate reference was men, but we are you and I in intertextual corroborations and study, we can finally we can say that. Abraham was talking to angels and all of those things. So said now, Sodom could be refined to a city. Why the immediate reference could be a house? Now, Sodom could also be a contest written concerning men. Why the immediate reference are women and Sodom could have the fire written in this context? Why the immediate context reference is anger? It all depends on the usage. Now you can use you can use the Genesis context now and see angels, Sodom, and say, oh, Sodom means angels. You can use another context now and say he's referring to the men or the women who did something, who were turning themselves to men, or who wanted to sleep with angels. Are you getting what I'm saying? We could turn that reference now and say that is the context. We can turn another reference to say anger. We can turn another context of Sodom and Gomorrah to fire. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so that shows that there is no generality of a usage with Sodom and Gomorrah in the scripture. I wonder if you are seeing it now. So that will now mean that it all depends on the context of the usage. So in every text, there is a story behind that text. In every text, there is a story behind the text. And that's the story is the what. The story is the what of his narrative. So now, in Genesis now, we can say Sodom and Gomorrah now, angels, right? Right, guys? Guys, right? In um, in, uh, in another text, we can see it as fire, right? Sodom and Gomorrah was born into ashes, right? In another text, we can see it as the perversions of the things they did. Are you seeing it? So, behind every text, there is a story that follows it. So, for instance, we, we, see, we saw in Genesis 3 verse 22, 
We saw this on Sunday in, in Let There Be Light. You can lay your hands on that series. Genesis, 23, Genesis 3 verse 22, where he used the word sent out. In Genesis 3 verse 22, he says, As the Lord said, Behold, man has become uh, as one of us and all of those things. He now says, in verse 23, he now says, And the Lord drove out the man from the eastward and all of those things. And in verse 23, he says, the Lord God sent him forth. Another translation we have, they sent him out of the Garden of Eden. Now, that text presents an account of Adam and it's being sent out of the Garden. Whereas, Moses was painting a picture of, don't forget, I told you that when Moses was painting a picture of waters and all of those things, it refers to people of the earth, right? Now, look at something. I told you that when Moses used waters, it refers to the nations of the earth and implying to Jehovah's salvations and all of those things. Nations, people. So when you read in when you read in um, in um, in Genesis 3, where it says uh, where he first used the word sent out and all of those things, look at what was happening. Look, don't forget, let's mm, no look at the Genesis 2. Let's look at the Genesis 2. Where it says in verse 8, or let's see for verse 6, where it says, But went forth a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground, and God formed man and all of those things, and put him there. He now says, look at what he now says in verse 11, verse 10. He now says, And the river went out of Eden to water the garden. And thence he parted and became into four heads. And one of the first is Pishon, which compasses the whole land of Adephiah. Now, in your mind, you read it as river, right? Guys, you read it as water, right? But don't forget, Moses' description of water is people. That was why, when we looked at in Let There Be Light, we're looking at the people of that nation, the people of that place. Are you seeing it? So now, we now have to look at the text. So now, what? So now, the question, the big question will now be, one of the big questions in Bible notice will now be, what is the role of the reader today? The role in understanding a literal piece, and we'll just stop, we won't, won't be able to finish this today. We'll just take a piece of this one and we'll pick it up next week. Just so that we're not, we are not confused, right? But is it making sense, guys? Bible uh, notice making sense. Now, let's, I'm trying to release us quite early today so that we can ask questions and do some other things. Now, so, what, so the, a big question would be, what is the role of the reader today? So, in understanding literary peace and all of those things, the reader ought to apply his mind to the fact that the author has already welded, welded his authority to the text. That is, the author now, though is limited by the world that he is, so Moses now, is communicating to his word. He did not he did not foresee that today now you and I will be having a problem with water not meaning the earth. Abi, I don't even get what I'm saying. Now, in Moses' word now, when they are talking about waters and all of those things, they now will understand that ah, when they say waters, it means people. That will be the way they talk. Now, just like in our 2023 now, we'll be saying, um, Pizza has become a food. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Pizza is an American food, not a snack. 
But to us as, but to an African, pizza is a snack, is not a food. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Now, if I now say, if I'm to write now and I say, I ate my dinner as pizza. An American will get it. But, <laughs> somebody from Africa would think, pizza, snack. Probably he's not hungry. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. But now, in an African... Now, let me explain the African word to you. An African... Not, not Gen Z now. Now, you know the word now has changed. Gen Z, Lagosians will just eat pizza and sleep. But growing up, it's not possible. I have to eat rice. Pounded yam. Eba. Amala. Not Amala. Amala. Um, bees. You know, now, Americans now will not understand that we have to put palm oil in beans. So now, if I say I cook beans now, in their mind, they feel like it's a canned beans. Or a baked beans. But we will put palm oil. We are going to put pepper, fish, sauce. We will make it... Have you eaten the first food? Thank God, first, but first your love is back on campus. So, we just giving a, a brief announcement on that. Now, you will eat all of those things. So, now, if I say beans now, just let's just use beans. Because it's common to both worlds. Now, if I say I had dinner as beans, an American will read it as baked beans. Because they don't understand the fact that I have to pick a beans. I have to... I have to wash the beans. I have to... In fact, when I was growing up, one of the things that made me go late to church was because I would cook beans from 7 a.m. to about 9.30 and it's still not done. Because you are using a stove. It is a.m. Because you, are using, because you wash it, do it and start cooking it from 7 a.m. to 9. Now, an American can understand that. That's why you see, if you go on Instagram, you see memes, especially African memes, you see memes of um, people um, cooking. If you want to cook for long, just go and cook beans. No, but an American just, eat, just open a can and eat the beans. Are you getting what I'm Are you seeing the world we live in today now? But to an African, it's not that easy to go to the kitchen and cook a beans. I don't even get what I'm saying. So if you now write, I cooked beans and ate beans, an American will just feel maybe they just microwaved it. Right, guys? I don't know if you're thinking. Now, the person that now wrote it, if he's an American, or let's say he's an African that wrote, I cook beans. If an American is to read that in the Western world, they are going to see beans like, okay, how they will read it now will be like, a baked beans. That's what they will read it as. They just open the can and pour the beans inside, right? I think that's how it is, right? It's, it's always canned, is it? Right? They don't have to do much, right? It's cooked already, right? <laughs> I, I, I will not eat that. It has to have pepper for me. 
Now it's sweet. They we put salt in ours until recently. My father upgraded as I put in sugar. My father that taught us how to put sugar in yam, how to put sugar in beans, how to put it. Um, my father, my father is innovative of those kind of food. He knows how to. He's the one that knows how to do microwave um, fufu and turn all those things. He knows how to. I don't know how they do it, but my father knows. He knows his way around everything on food. Now. So if if I if I am to write a book now, and I wrote I cook beans and I ate beans for dinner, and a, somebody from the Western world picked that statement, is not going to imagine because of the way it's already used and conditioned in his mind. He's not going to imagine I cooked the beans from seven a.m. To 9.30 and that beans was still not done. I have to come back. I will cook it to a point. Come back. That's how I grew up. I will cook that beans to a point. Trek to church for about 30 minutes from 9, from 9.30 to, to 10. Get to church at 10. Then That's when I was not serious. When I was serious, I go to church at 7. When I, when I started ministry and everything. Now, then I will go to church at 10. Church at 9 at 11. Then when I get back, 11, 11.30. When I get back at 11, 11.30, that's when we will now start the re-cooking. We want to put the palm, the palm oil. You have to put pepper. You will have bought bread while coming from church. You have to, sometimes you fry plantain. You have to put pepper, turn it together, put maggi, put seasoning. Now, an American will not understand that. They put seasoning to a beans. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Now, no one now will be thinking, Really? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. They put, even, in fact, even Florence now may be thinking, really? Do you have to go through all these procedures for your beans? Now, if they read it in a book that someone like Chemama Dadishe now wrote and said they cook beans, now, they will not see it. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And the author now would not also foresee that, let's say the author now is not vast. The author now, let's say somebody like, let's say, Somebody like somebody is somebody like somebody like the author now is living like in Agbarana and has not left Agbarana. You know, Agbarana is our contest, Chiamaka's village, or where she where she grew up. Agbara is I don't know where it is. Like I told you, it's not on the map. Go and look for it. It will never be there. Even if it is there, we will take it away. So that it so that it will not experience globalization. <laughs> now, if if somebody from Agbarana who has not experienced... Now, it took me till I got to America before I understood that there's, some, there's an alternative to beans. In fact, I remember how I knew it. I was in college one day and I saw a can. They were selling it in school. Maybe and people were picking it, eating it and buying pizza and tortillas. I think it was wrap. Ah. So I asked, what's this? They said beans. So, I was wondering, do you mean this is beans? That was my first... Because I didn't really used to watch American movies much when I was much younger. The highest I watched was Flash. Before I came into the US, I was not a movie person. So, people that watch movies will probably know the difference. But, I saw beans. I said, this is beans. That, that you just open a can, I will open. I remember the way I used to cook. It took, I just explained to you how we cook beans. Now, if I'm now to, so now look at the issue. 
if I'm to now write a book, right, and put, I cook, a, I cook beans and I eat beans for dinner, without foreseeing my audience and thinking of what my audience will be, hope you know there's a problem. There will be a problem. Because that word cooked is the problem. You will not understand the stress it took me. You will just see it as I went to... The Western world will just see it as I just picked it up of the microwave, put it there, microwave something, turn something around, mix something, maybe put it with a tortilla and something, or a wrap, and I cooked. Right? No, but I cooked from 7 to 9 p.m., 9 a.m., 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., continued this cooking at 12. Then the food is not ready at 2. Then we will now sit down as a family. And watch a TV. That was our Sunday food. Why other families in Nigeria were eating jollof rice up and the jam? In my own family, it was beans. In fact, the culture is still dirty today. I don't know if they've but no, they changed it. It's now yam. My father, if you go, if I go home now this Sunday, my father is cooking yam. It's they I don't know why they have African parents just always have those culture of this is, I, I want to do it too when I'm younger. I want my children to also have culture. Oh, is it only this food every Sunday? I want them to feel that pain too. Uh, it is my own choice, but I want them to also feel the pain we went through because it seemed like we could not break. Even when my father traveled, we didn't. We it was even in our blood. Unconsciously, you would just wake up on. I would just wake up on Sunday morning and start cooking the beans. Even if nobody told me, I would just start I just know that this is my Sunday ritual. I don't even get what I'm saying. Now, so now, that is exactly what is the problem with. So now, Moses was writing waters, spirits, um, evil, earth, talking to his world. Are you getting what I'm saying? Without foreseeing that, in our own world, we are not using the same terminology. As you get to what I'm saying, when he was to write pastor, he wrote shepherd. <laughs> so if you don't understand what is the role of a shepherd in the in the in the in the in the first five books, you will not understand what Paul is saying when he's not writing, writing pastor, bishop, deacon. You know now some churches now. They they use the word deacon, and it's one man who is just sitting there in the church and giving the church money and just old. They say there's deacon and the deaconess, and they just sitting down paying the church bills. If they need anything, go and meet deacon this, deacon favor, deacon this, and the deacon will answer you. No, but was that the context? The context of how it was used in the in the scriptures was that a deacon is like an assistant pastor. Are you getting what I'm saying? But in our immediate world today now, if you go and mention Dickie, it just simply means one woman or one man that is sitting in the church and just calling himself Dickie. I don't even get what I'm saying. So things now have changed. So what is the role of the reader? The role of the reader is now to understand the world. Oh, so this means that, so let's just, just end here. So this means that every book, every letter or text has both a direct audience 
and what? A wider audience. So, the first five books now, as a direct audience, who is his direct audience? The, the agrarian people in culture, the Moses' people, right? Um, Moses' church people and all of those things, those were his audience, right? The church, the, the, the Ephesians, the, the Ephesians were the letter, the people in Ephesus were the, were the direct audience of the Ephesus, right? But the wider audience is supernatural church. Are you seeing it now? So we are now to interpret their world in today's world. And that is the role of a Bible preacher and a Bible reader. Amen. Blessed. So we'll, we'll pick it up from here um, next time. Amen.